Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. We are back again today, and I am here with my guests. Why don't you introduce yourself, what religion you left, and tell us your story. Hi, my name is Van Medeiros, and I actually had left the Mormon Church and the Boy Scouts of America. One and the other went hand in hand. I was raised LDS. My entire family on my mother's side is very staunch LDS. Their ideals were like 100%. You don't go against the grain straight up. So I was made to go to church every Sunday. It's still hard talking about it. And through that time, started going to church, caught the eye of certain predators in the ward uh, and that's when the abuse had started i was molested by several people in the church as well as the scout leaders and the boy scouts of america because the higher ups in the church were the scout leaders as well i finally decided it was enough when i was 13 and how long ago since you left I, like I said, when I was 13 years old, I completely washed my hands as much as I could um, just stopped going to church. I couldn't even tell my mother, God rest her soul, because she was so devout LDS and her family is so devout LDS that I know that if I would have told her what had happened, there would have been doubt. So would you leave like two years ago, five years ago? How many, how long ago did you leave? It has been 24 years. So yeah, 24 years, but I actually also am involved currently against the lawsuit against the Boy Scouts of America. So now how has your life improved since you've left? Like I said, it improved as far as not being preyed upon by pedophiles anymore but that was only the beginning since i could not tell anybody i had to internalize it and just forget about it as much as i could so what are some of the other ways that the mormon church was harmful for you it made me very distrustful of everybody just because you know those are from a young age, you're brought up to think that somebody in the church, people in positions of power are supposed to do the right thing. They're supposed to be the good guys. And case in point, when it was shown to me at a young age, that wasn't there. That was just like as bad as Santa Claus turned out to be a bad guy. You know, it was detrimental to me. And so I didn't trust anybody. Coupled with the fact that my mom and dad were going through a divorce. So, you know, my and my dad got a thistle. He wasn't around very often, but it was like all this other stuff was going on too. So that just indented in me this mistrust, even where it, you know, and also catastrophizing where it's not needed. Even where everything is all good, 
I'm always looking for the coin to flip, so to speak. So now, have you been able to kind of deal with the aftermath of that since you left of being abused? Well, I'm still currently dealing with it, working through it in therapy. I have a lot of underlying mental health issues because of it now. PTSD with a long extra, a whole bunch of symptoms. I don't even remember what they are. But basically, long story short, it made me really antisocial. It made me very distrustful. I was always, like I said, even when things were completely good, I was looking for the bad. You know, what's next? What's going to happen next? What's going to screw this good moment up? Obviously, you're still going through it, and that makes it difficult. But do you feel happier since you have left, or are you still too in the thick of it to have any? Well, it's almost like I had just left because when, you know, when I was 13, like I said, when it stopped, I stopped. I didn't talk about it. I didn't process it. Nothing. I just internalized it, buried it, done, simple, over with. Until now, where I had to unearth it because of them finally, you know, having a lawsuit against the BSA. So I, I had to come back to it. I ha- and now I'm having to actually feel those feelings and live those emotions because I have people I can talk to. And I have people I can turn to, and I don't have to use drugs anymore. I mean, that was another thing that (laughs) it did for me. I was in pain, so granted, it was during the whole painful fiasco, too. But when I was uh, probably 15, I started getting on pain pills, and I noticed that it would take away all those, all, all that, all the bad stuff. It would just melt away. Oh, okay, I feel great. I feel like I can conquer the world and, and I don't feel weighed down anymore. And so opiates was my new love. And it started such a horrible downward spiral because I noticed from then, it was like, okay, I'm just going to use it for all pain, not just physical pain. I'm going to use it for mental pain, any pain in life. So opiates, that's my thing. And that's where I learned, okay, pain plus opiates equals no pain. And I couldn't have been any more wrong. So now are you being able to come to terms with those issues that stem from being abused or is that's so in the middle of that too. I am starting to come to terms with it with the help of my wife, uh, who has been extremely supportive through the whole whole thing. Honestly, I don't know where I would be without her because it's been a very tough road. I actually, if she wasn't there, I don't know what I would do because my mother was everything to me. You know, I was a mama's boy. She definitely was the one piece of family that 
even though she was still LDS, she didn't try to push it on me or any of that. And she, you know, she still had her, what we call Jack Mormon moments, I guess you could say. But I had, because my opiate addiction, I ended up getting on probation and then eventually screwing that up. And they pulled my probation and sent me to prison. I had found out the day after I had arrived at prison that my mother died. And I had no way to do anything about it. I'm very sorry to hear about that. So how long ago did she pass away? It's been four years now. And now how is it adjusting to her death where she was Mormon? And you don't go anymore. Well, after her passing, it kind of almost released my chains because I knew, you know, where she's finally at rest. She has the truth. You know, she knows whatever the grand truth is. And so I don't have any qualms about going against them and actually exposing them for the bastards that they are. So now, do you have any siblings that are still in the church or is it just you? Do you have a support system besides your wife? Mm, no. All of my family that, eh, you know, isn't on my mom's side is dead. My mother's side will have nothing to do with me because I ended up being a drug addict and all that and and the fact that my father he had knew he knew from the jump that there was something wrong with that whole ward or whatever you want to call it and he went against them from the jump and like the day after he passes away they're in my kitchen because they came to see my mom about something a few of my aunts and uncles and they're running their mouth about how horrible my dad was. I'm like, wow, you guys are really great religious folk, you know, that you're basically decimating somebody's character the day after they pass away. Ooh, really good, good, good go. Good on you, you know? You are dealing with your addiction now. Your wife is supportive. You're, but you're in the middle of, the lawsuit against the Boy Scouts of America, but you do have a therapist. So how is it trying to deal with all that for you right in this moment? It's very trying. Actually, you know, beginning of this year, I had a relapse because I had an infection and it was pretty painful infection. Uh, so I had to put a pick line in me and a really big rule of thumb, don't ever, 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 ever give a former junkie a pick line because it's just open season on whatever you want to put in your body. And there's a direct line to it. And it was so easy to fall back into it because of everything that was going on, even though I didn't want to be that person anymore. But it also showed me again 
a retrospective of like why I don't want it and what it symbolized as a part of my past, which is another way it's keeping me clean. See, I associate opiate use now with that pain that I was covering up from the molestation. So it's easier to, I'm not saying no just to a substance. I'm saying no to the whole feeling, the whole idea, memory of that situation. And that to me, to not feel that anymore is worth more than a buzz for a few hours. So you have a therapist. Has that really helped you out having someone to talk to and process feelings and emotions with? Oh, yes. Yes. She is an amazing therapist. She is definitely a godsend. She understands my mental health in a way that a lot uh, of therapists never could because I have a lot of underlining mental health uh, issues from when I was a kid, ADHD, and then coupled with the fact that I don't have linear thinking, I have abstract thinking. So it's not like I'm on the spectrum, but floating around at times. So it's hard to pin down where my brain's at. That's why the tangent, I go on my tangents, because my thinking isn't linear, it it branches out. Do you and your wife have a family? It's me and my wife and my mother-in-law and our kitty. (laughs) We plan on, after everything's done with all lawsuits, uh, you know, settling down, probably adopt. Uh, But at this point, like, I, I have one daughter from my opiate addiction and also from my ex who I had let get strung out on Oxycontin. That was what I was taking. She had made it so we lost my daughter. She was actually looking for my pills one day, and I'm a cannabis user, but during that time, I had all my cannabis things put up and put away. She was going through it because she thought I had stashed something there and had my cannabis pipe sitting out on the table when who knocks at the door? Oh, it's DCFS. Uh, Opened the door right up. Oh, there's a pipe on the table. And she was already in their sights because the Niconium had had Oxycontin in it when my daughter was born. So she came out in withdrawals. So I wasn't even home. Nine months old. That's the last time I saw my daughter. She got yanked from me. Couldn't do anything about it. Parental rights taken. So you haven't seen your daughter since then? Nope. I have not. I've seen a picture, but it's been years and years and years. She was born in 2007, if that tells you anything. So she's about 13, 14 years old. Maybe in a few years she'll try and find you and... You'll be able to see her then. That's what I pray for every day. How was it trying to deal with that happening in Boy Scouts and at church? 
all while going through your teenage years with puberty and kids being kids? It was such a horrible, just everything, like, I literally felt like hell. Those years that I had to deal with it. And then towards the end, that's when I started hitting puberty. And I hit mine all at once. It wasn't a gradual thing like, you know, somebody shoots up through the course of a year and a half. Nope. My puberty was instantaneous through the course of a summer vacation. So I went away like fourth grade year, just a little pipsqueak, nothing, you know, came back next year, six foot two deep voice growing facial hair. So not only was I dealing with that, but I was also going through what I like to call hyperpuberty because it was like my legs, like I was in a, one of them old school torture vices and someone was just wheeling the crank every night, you know, so couple that on top of the fact that everything else is going on. Yeah, it was not, not a good time. And now I know you mentioned having an opiate addiction. Did you ever have any issues with alcohol? No, alcohol was never a thing for me because not only was I molested from church members as was from my uncle. Who like, well, I guess he's a church member, so go figure. But he was a really bad alcoholic. He actually had to live with us for a little while. That's when it happened. But because of him being such an alcoholic and just associating that, like I said, with you know the trauma, I I make sure I shy away from it. Like I'll occasionally maybe have a shot here or there, maybe a glass of wine, but other than that, I just don't. And now, is there anything else you want to share about your situation or about the church or about leaving the church? Just that anybody that, if you're, if you have it in your mind, if you've clicked on this podcast, if you're still in that rut, and the Curiosity has you because you feel that something isn't right. Something isn't right. And it definitely should be acted upon. And I am going to tell you (laughs) from experience that it can be hell. Extremely difficult. Especially if you do not have people to support you. Yes. But... There is a light at the end of that tunnel. Always, for everyone. There is a light, and you will be able to get through it. Believe I, I have been through some of the most horrendous stuff that you can imagine. But yet, I came out at the end a better person because of it. It's just taking those first steps is all that matters. After that, as long as you keep with it, you can get away from it, whatever it is. Mormon religion, Boy Scouts, Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, Heaven's Gate. (laughs) I don't know. 
anybody. If you're going through something and you feel that it isn't right, it isn't right. And we don't need to stick to this old archetype that you have to just blindly follow religion. Because I'll tell you one thing right now. Bibles are man-made. And then as we are wrapping up, what are three tips you have for people who are looking to leave an overbearing religion or a cult? First, I would always, you know, whoever you turn to who knows your in and outs, whether it be boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, family member, best friend, whoever, you know, whoever that you feel that you can identify with on uh, any kind of level, or if not, I recommend getting a therapist that you can jive with and tell them what you're feeling. Give them the whole rundown of what's going on and how you feel about it. And don't hold anything back because you're worried about what someone else might think about you. Secondly, stick through it. Gotta stick through it. You have, you have to power through to the end. It seems tough, but like I said, it is very worth it. And third, if you ever come in the inclination that it's so bad that you feel that you have to take your life, please call someone. Call anyone. Please do not take your life over something as stupid and trivial as a religion slash cult slash whatever. Very good tips. And thank you again for coming on and sharing your situation with us. My heart just goes out to you. Certainly. Well, thank you for having me on. Thanks again for joining us today. As always, I want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend, Corporate Design Solutions, who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality. If anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info, please email Michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com.